Hello and welcome to Next Gen Minds, the informal but informative weekly Sunday podcast made for students by students. I'm your host, Maddie Clark, and together we'll start a much needed conversation with students, experts and other special guests about mental health. We'll bust some myths, find out what are the best ways to manage our well-being and if all things fail, we'll simply manifest our way to sanity. Next Gen Minds is part of an important initiative to draw attention to the mental health crisis unfolding amongst the future generation and to eradicate the stigma and taboo of talking about mental health. If you feel that any areas or topics discussed affect you or you're simply feeling lost or overwhelmed, head to the Next Gen University's website for resources on how to cope, including the 30-day Mental Reset Challenge. This challenge includes short three-minute videos to help equip you with a toolkit of useful coping mechanisms and ways to strengthen your well-being. So, without further ado, let's start talking and make a change. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm joined by Katie Dart, a liberal arts student at Nottingham University, and Hannah Boucher, a third year linguistics student who is currently studying at Edinburgh University. Hi guys, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. It's great to have you. Um, so this week's episode will be focusing on mental health services available at university. And the reason I really wanted to focus on this this week is because, well, mental health, as we know, is so crucial in everyone's lives. But I think especially for young adults moving to university or even during university, it's quite a stressful time. And I was doing a bit of research before I started this podcast into mental health um, statistics for university students and one-fifth of students reported having a mental health diagnosis and the most common one were depression which is 12 percent and anxiety which is 11.2 percent of students and it seems like that we're currently in this mental health pandemic I mean and it's crazy some of the statistics I found like one in 12 people reported using drugs or alcohol in order to be able to fall asleep at night so I mean this is not a new problem but it's evident that it's not getting any better so that is why university support I think is so crucial um so I just wanted to start off this discussion um by asking you firstly how important do you think university support in terms of well-being and for mental health is and how supported you guys feel at both Nottingham and Edinburgh in terms of the support your universities provide? Um, I, on a personal note, I do feel very supported. I feel like there's a lot, I know it's not the same for everyone, um, but obviously I'm at Notts um, and, you know, we get weekly emails um, with links to support, guidance, advice, you know, where to go for what problem. Um, I think it's more a case on whether the links they provide are actually effective and whether, you know, it relies on a mutual effort by the student to actually not ignore the email. Um, But I do feel very supported. Um, It's just a question of whether it's actually effective or not. Yeah, well, I don't really know. This is quite a hard one to answer because in the same realm as Katie, we get emails all the time. But at the bottom of each email, it literally is like a copy and pasted message being like, just so you know, like if any of you are struggling, here's the helpline and our student support counsellors. They're always there to lend a hand, like no one should struggle. 
like, I kid you not, the same copy, copy and paste message every single email we get. But it's not really them. It's not the person behind the email. It's sending to a different wellbeing little centre. And that little centre with counsellors, I know, like, firsthand, well, not firsthand, my, my best friend tried to see a counsellor. And the wait list before, before Christmas was three weeks. She applied in January slash February. It doubled to six weeks. She was told on the phone, um, are you doing, like, things to keep you healthy? Like, have you th- thought about going on a walk? And she was like, it's, it's almost like patronising. Like, I'm, I'm a fourth-year university student. Like, I'm at university. Like, you know I'm academically there. Like, okay, yeah, fair enough. It's, it's, it's a fair enough question to suggest, like, going on these, like, going on a walk. But it was just like, so all you suggest to me is that I have to go on a walk to sort out my mental health. That was February. She now hasn't heard anything about it since. So it's been about seven weeks. And luckily she has the funds to be able to go private and just see a counsellor privately through her parents that we can afford to, but like not everyone is that lucky. So yeah, sorry, that was on a bit there, but I think that they, they're trying, but it's not enough. The waiting list is just too long, to be honest, for counsellors. At least you guys know, firstly, that there, there's support there. Like it seems, because I, I was talking to some of my friends, they don't even know what support there is available for them. Like it's, I mean, and I know at Durham, um, we don't get those weekly emails. I think we have to like search on the deep wide web of like where the support is, what available, what support is available. And, but like you said, it's like, it's almost becomes checkbox, but it's like phone calls again, deciding what level, at what level you can see a GP. So it seems like it needs to move from, just a checkbox activity to actually creating a more supportive environment um in terms of like fixing that what do you think universities can do to make it like katie was saying more you don't know how effective the links are how do you think you, they can make it a bit more effective um i think it's really difficult um i think for a lot of the, a lot of the part in my opinion anyway it kind of relies it's hard because someone reaching out to get help relies on them recognizing the issue in the first place um and seeing that mentally they have symptoms of certain issues or they're leaning more towards one issue than another um i think helping us recognize that would make it easier to reach out not even necessarily within the university, you know, like, you know, so the social aspect of university is a really important thing. Reach out to people, um, make friends, um, find a support network, um, things that actually, in my mind, feel a bit more realistic, um, not necessarily searching for, like, therapy and to be fixed and for the problem to go away. Like, it's a lot more about social context, I think, you know, a lot of people have found themselves very lonely. I think that really adds to a lot of the issues that have been happening, you know, with lockdowns. And I'm a second year. I was lucky enough to make a circle of friends. What about the people who didn't? What about the people who haven't? You know, like, I, I feel half the reason I feel so bad for the first years this year is how are you supposed to make friends that you feel you really belong with? It's, it's a que- not a question of, like, you know, you've got your flat there fabulous and if you like them if you get on great but what if they're just not your kind of people what if you just don't get along you'll feel so lonely and I think it's about recognizing that and universities helping you see that and helping you make those connections I think it's a really important one as a first year student I completely agree with everything you said because you're basically forced in 
to this flat and I love, I'm really lucky. I like my flat. Um, but you, if you don't get along with your flat, you're kind of screwed because you can't go to societies. You can't do the things you love. And, and the societies that are available, they're through zoom, which you don't have that same kind of human contact. So what, what can unis do to then kind of create that environment that not even first years, but everyone during, especially a pandemic, feel more connected to the community or feel more support. Edinburgh is actually quite good. So I don't know about you guys, but we have personal tutors. I don't know if you guys do. We have, so basically you're assigned a personal tutor. So from the, I think it changes a little bit, but we're, so we're up here for four years and I had the same one for about two years and then I just had a different one now in my fourth year. But we were talking about if, so these personal tutors, they're, they're mainly academic, but obviously you can go to contact or lecturers if you don't understand topic, like that's your like first point of contact. So we were saying, what if you change these personal tutors? If they, if they had like mental health training, they had training in like mental health awareness, and then they changed from being like a purely academic standpoint to more like a well-being like person contact. They could do like monthly check-ins, just being like, how are you? Like, what's going on? Like, how are you finding university? Rather than purely like, here are your exams. How are you doing? What modules do you want to do? Do you know what I mean? It's so easy for that to be to that to be changed. It's a small change, but I think that if you just have that first point of contact with students, think about how many people they would be aware of what's going on in their lives. Do you know what I mean? Rather than it would get like to the extremes. Like for example, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but a girl at Edinburgh, she's in, she was in my, oh yeah, yeah, fourth year. She committed suicide last year in lockdown. And yeah, sorry to take a dark turn here, but it's kind of has to be said. Um, she basically reached out to the university a lot, being like, um, her first year was fine. Her second year, she failed her exams. She reached out to say, this is going on. Like, I'm really struggling with mental health. I'm basically like suffering with depression. Please can I have my like um, retake exam wavered? I think she did. And then coming into third year, she was like still struggling a lot, asked to redo the year, reached out to her personal tutor and her like head of her like head course organizer. We also have some things called student support officers. I don't know if you guys do as well, which basically just like the person that's like a close support, like close person to contact before the course organizer. So it was like reaching out to all these people. They basically like got back to her a bit, but like not much at all. They were the only people that she reached out to about it. She didn't tell her housemates, didn't tell her boyfriend. And normally when she, so like they sent an email and she didn't respond. And normally at Edinburgh's protocols, like if she doesn't respond, there's like a cause for concern. They contact like the emergency contacts family, which they didn't do. So that's, and then so like basically just it spiraled and then like locked down last year when she was at home, she committed suicide like a couple of days after her 21st birthday and her family had absolutely no idea what was going on. And they've now admitted negligence because, so the only reason we know about this is because it's come into the press because the family, I think, have basically tried to sue and just been like, you, your protocol was to tell us. And if you told us what was going on, so this is like a couple of years, if you let us know what was going on, then we would have been able to help her. But instead, you kind of just sat back and didn't do anything. You know, that's a classic case of, okay, cool, you've got all these counsellors, you've got these university counsellors, but the waiting list is actually too long. And the student is reaching out to you to say, I'm really, I'm really struggling. Like, I want to retake the year. I want to do this. Like, I'm whatever. And they send an email. And then when they, send, when they don't get a response from the email, they just sit back and then go, oh, it's fine. There's definitely a massive lack in communication on all parts. I think from students to tutors, I think it definitely could be made more personal. I think their job is more than just to 
like grade your work and stuff like that I, it's a pastoral job as well um you know in school in you know we had a massive pastoral team to make sure everyone was okay as soon as you got to uni that seemed to go out the window and that's definitely something that isn't like that's an essential thing they need to provide I don't understand how they see it as sort of an optional thing um and it's not just you know young students there are mature students who's to say they're coping I mean like who's to say anyone's coping <laughs> Hannah <laughs> visitations like it's it's a, it's crazy like you're in a fourth year of university you think that you've all got to sort it out you're having online teaching which I'm sure obviously you guys are as well you've got to do your dissertation which is majority independent work it's like the, you're in your last year and it's literally just like okay off you go trying to do that or manage that or in a global pandemic like concentration I'm sure, I'm sure you guys will agree concentration is hard enough as it is right now and it's literally just like off you go there's like yeah there's been no support no it feels like because universities pride themselves on you know you've just left school you're independent now like you're on your own um somehow that seems to have like wormed its way into like you're literally on your own um and the support I don't know if you saw the like meme that was going around of the girl who sent an email saying like I'm so stressed like I need an extension like just can't get the work done they were like try being less stressed and hope you can get the work done it was like a meme um and you just think sometimes it it feels not in a dramatic sense but it feels a bit inhumane a lot of the time it it feels a bit hello yeah you just get you know out of hours responses and but you were saying that with the automatic email the copy and pasting messaging at the bottom the not replying like communication is just the basic part like we're talking about now like how communication is so important for mental health like talking the fact that someone is like brave enough to re- even reach out to university for help if you don't respond in a if they don't respond in a quick way in a supportive way in a personal way like even even like if someone emails why not why send an email back why not be like oh here's like you immediately respond with a video call we go when are you free for a video call to make that straight more personal connection and I think there's definitely like you're saying the the fact that there's waiting lists like the wait the queue for resources is insanely huge it's all good about having oh we have this the service there but if the services are ineffective what's the point of having them in the first place um so like what what do you think they is it a funding issue? Is it a cultural issue? Edinburgh, Edinburgh is such a, such a wealthy university. Like it's, they have, so they have basically like, they're trying, um, when I first joined in first year, before first year, they said they were trying to get it up to 40% international students. Now I think it's somewhere around 50 to 60 international, international students, which basically means a lot more money for them. Let's be real. <laughs> um, and obviously it's amazing, like multicultural society or whatever you get, oh jazz. Um, so it's not a funding issue. I know that one of your questions you said about a building a wellbeing centre, which is actually, well, it's actually Edinburgh, I told Ash about it. It's basically like they built, they spent, I, I should have looked it up beforehand, they spent thousands, I think it was actually in the millions, but don't quote me on that, on a wellbeing centre on campus. So it's like where all our lecture, where all our lecture, um, what's the one looking for, lecture buildings are. They basically built a wellbeing centre and it's essentially like a glass box 
it's like a glass box and it's like well-being center and there's like a little pharmacy and it took them about two years to build and now obviously covid has happened so it's not been used so it's being built in second year we're now in fourth year so it's been three years it's not been used think about that money that they spent building this amazing fancy building like glass like beautiful like it's really pretty i'm not saying that but if you think about, say, it costs like thousands, think about how much, how many counsellors you could employ for, to, for, I don't know what the salary is, but like, say, like a student salary, like, I'm also thinking, surely if you're in the, if you're in like the realm of counselling, if you think about it in terms of like lawyers, how they do like pro bono, if I was a counsellor and I was asked to like work at a university for a slightly like lower rate, I'd do it. If you're a counsellor and you want to help people, you know the students are struggling. You know all these stats that we all know. Like mental health, this has been a discussion for years. You know, like so, I think that if they just thought about like where where the people where the students need the help and how is the most effective way of getting them the help, but just things like that, it's just like it's. I don't think it's about funding at all. I think it's about the education. It's about knowing that these students are struggling. As you said, it's about not having that communication because they don't. They obviously don't know that students are struggling because they then. They, it's almost like they should have like done a survey to be like how do you guys like how do you guys want help like how do you guys how would you want to be supported more mm. and then they choose glass box well-being center or counselors you choose which route you go down and where where is it like a necessary place to spend that money do you know what i mean it's obviously like they don't have a well-being like they don't have like a well-being like center community to even have these discussions it's just like someone makes the decision cool that would look brilliant for the press it's it's, it's a nice building it will get use out of it and we'll fo- focus on like hiring the actual people that are going to help in the long term. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, in, a, in my first year when we were actually on campus, um, there's, it's similar but not. There's sort of like a white building. It's very bright and everyone knows that that's um, the, the counselling building. There wasn't, I wouldn't call it a stigma. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that people it would put people off going. I can see how like a glass building seems very intimidating. It's not really very approachable, um, not comfortable either. I mean, there's a complete lack of privacy. I think part of it is if you want these issues to be private, you have the right to do that. Um, and I think it's part of a university's responsibility, you know, under you know issues of consent and privacy to provide that um when necessary and if a student doesn't feel like they can approach the counseling service that's an issue in itself they don't feel like they have that privacy there um some people don't want people to know they're having counseling you know not everyone can say i've you know guys go get help like i i've been to counselling I found it so helpful not everyone can do that um to some people it's all completely new it's all completely new they've never suffered with issues like this before the pandemic hit everything was closed anyway the one thing I will actually say is I think people have definitely recognized the power of a phone call um in terms of it's less intimidating to email the counselling service, say, hello, help, um, and to get a phone call, I mean, albeit like two weeks later, but there's something less scary about a phone call and just chatting on the phone to someone. Um, I think that's something that could actually continue. Um, 
it's less intimidating. You can do it in the comfort of your own home. You don't have to see anyone. You don't have to walk anywhere. There's nothing about that experience that is as stressful as before. If you're, if you're someone who suffers with anxiety, what's walking into a glass building full of people and, you know, people watching in, looking in, you, you, you go a bit, you know, crazy. Mm. I was really interested because I think there's this new, I saw this, I was talking to a friend who was using this app um, for his um, anxiety. Um, and it was just that you just send a text and then someone will immediately respond to like come like, to help you. And just like, it's more about that immediacy than anything yeah. like yeah. a text, a phone call, an in-person thing. And it, just anything, anything will make a difference. But I think it's more that immediacy because you can't wait a month to, to hear back from someone if the problem is like, if you're feeling something now. Um, and I also wanted to like, ask you guys, there's what you're saying about privacy. Um, and also what you were saying, Hannah, about the girl, the, the awful um, news about the girl who committed suicide last year. Um, universities, I think that there's this dilemma as in if someone reaches out to you and they want to keep it a private matter, um, when, when, does it, when does that privacy kind of, when that privacy means that their life becomes at risk, when, where's, where's their line? How do they decide that? And also because that privacy is there that's even more responsibility and why the university has to provide even greater support because if they still want that private if they're not going to reach out to the parents or family or friends then that's on the university to actually be there because otherwise you'll have events that happened like that poor girl last summer um well i guess it comes down to as a code of conduct isn't it if you think about if you go back to school and it's like they the school teachers, they take, oh, what's the, it's like a Latin word, they take the rights of being a parent. So it's like when you, when, you're, when your kids go to the school, the teachers basically become the acting parents, something like something apprentice, I don't know. Um, and it's basically, it should be the same thing as a university. I'm sure it is. It's like when you, oh, maybe it's not actually, but it should be in the same realm. Like when you go to university, your lecturers, your, that like academia, that school body, take somewhat some form of responsibility for your health for your well-being especially if you reach out to them you've given them information about what's going on and then by default they're, they're aware of it like they're complicit do you know what i mean that they, they they should and they should want to try and check in and make sure that you're okay um it kind of reminds me of like i've had cancer before and at the beginning of each session they always say just going to basically explain like your rights here, whatever I will, this is a confidential space. This is all confidential. But if, if I ever get to a point where I feel like you're at, at risk to yourself or to others, it's my duty and my responsibility to inform either your parents or the police or the ambulance, whatever. I'm just going to tell you that now, now, so you're aware. And then it's like, yeah, cool, fine, whatever. So I think it's in the same realm that they should, they should, every lecturer, every, every university worker should know that. And know that with that knowledge, if someone reaches out to you, if a student reaches out to you and expresses suicidal thoughts, expresses not even that extreme, just says, I have depression or I am really struggling, just enough to see I'm really struggling, you, it should be like a flag system. Okay, cool. Student X, asterisk, really struggling, it's on your radar, and then it should like be flagged up to whatever, like everyone within that school, because it's, it's easy, like, I'm sure you guys are the same. It's like every subject has, has, has their own school. And obviously every, everyone who works in that school, they know each other. Um, they, they have like a teaching office. If it was just a, a system where it was like flagged up, 
and then they could all be aware of it, all do check-ins, you know? I think it's it's one of those ones where, to us, I think it seems quite self-explanatory, like you kind of, you can judge when something doesn't feel quite right. If someone's emailing you and saying, I'm really struggling, doesn't really go into much detail, you know, and it would be on my conscience. I'd want to know if they're okay and want to check in with them. So I think it's just about making sure that they, they do check in and then if they're not getting replies, then they can go to their parents and things like that. I think um, part of the problem is there's an, in my mind, there's an element of like, I don't, obviously, for me personally, there's an element of, well, I don't want your help now. It's so insincere. Like, I don't want that now because I feel like I've tried and tried to reach out and then here you are suddenly caring. It feels quite staged in a way. Like if, you know, like I, during lockdown, I emailed the counselling service and said, oh, um, and I got a phone call and I literally was sat there like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> um, and I was like, I can't believe I went through all this effort. I waited two weeks to hear from someone and I'm sat here like, it was just so, ins- it literally sounded like she was reading it off a script and, you know, maybe it, it's, the fact that we have resources and we have, you know, quotation marks, um, we have all these facilities, but like, are they actually any good? Like, I think that's why I now see it quite differently in that I'm going to rely on some other things to help me, you know, like friends, um, hobbies, interests, those kind of things rather than I do definitely think something that I would appreciate is the university taking some responsibility in words um and giving us that comfort of that is part of our job and then you're like well it is part of your job but I just wish you had said that so that I don't feel so lost in trying to work out who's there and who isn't there for me um I'm just rambling. I kind of forgot the question. <laughs> no, it was. I think I I completely agree. I think it's it's almost like you were saying back to the point before. It's like dehumanizing it by having yeah. script, by having, and I, I I understand that they might have to provide like almost a script if people may might not be as well trained. Especially if it's, like, it's a bit like when you know when you call up services for like Apple and they have a script of what they need to do. But I'm yeah. I'm comparing. I'm look at me now like comparing mental health. <laughs> like that should not be happening mental health is <laughs> mental health is not like like a computer that needs to be fixed it's something mm-hmm. that's like it it is not a problem you can just like oh change this bow and bingo your all your problems are gone it's it's so specific as well it's not just like it affects everyone so differently you can't just like ask the same questions and trying to think that those answers will get you like fixed you know mm. Mm, and I think the fact that Katie you you kind of gave up on the university services mm. it's just like that's that's not that's not okay and and re- even if you okay so let's say let's say university go put their hands up going we don't have the resources we don't have the funding we don't have the, we can't we can't provide the, these things that you're asking for if we then rely on our friends if we then rely on the community I think it's then be then about creating a community that is safe and is supportive because yeah there if you don't have that then what's the point in going 
rely on your friends and so one I was talking to my friend and she was saying okay if, if let's say you just it was just on talking to friends and talking to your families and people you love when when someone comes to you what do you say like it's we've we talked about this on the podcast a few times like the problem the fear of actually talking to people is or asking someone are they okay is because you don't know what you're going to say in response training like having i don't because at durham there's a massive thing about consent and we had to go, to actually complete your course you had to t- complete the consent course like it was compulsory why are we not doing that for like well-being like an actual like course on everything like what what like mental a compulsory health thing to complete yeah like even though that's mm-hmm. like becomes like a checklist thing that and it kind of puts the pressure back on the students having making sure that everyone knows what Mm. mental health is and like knowing what to say and knowing like even like first aid mental health training like that those small things that will create a community that people know what to do and people know that it's Mm. okay to talk I think it's important to highlight that you know when I say that rely on friends rely on this rely on that I'm not saying rely on it full force Mm -hmm. um because the likelihood is is that they're also all having a hard time um but it's also important to consider that there are some people who don't have many friends who don't have much family um and I feel so lucky that I do but I think it's important to highlight that it can't be relied on in its entirety because you you can't put that responsibility and onus onto other people um there is still part of you that has to accept that this is your personal individual problem you can't rely on someone else to fix that or you know if someone else is having a hard day sometimes the last thing they need is someone kind of like putting another weight on their shoulders so that's what's hard I think I mean like it's one of those things that I think it's just important I mean you know the big conversations are one thing but I think it's a lot of small things that are going to help it's just the daily how you're doing shall we go do shall we go outside shall we do something fun interesting nice um are you all right you seem a bit yeah it's not it's not like a big simple questions at the end of the day yeah Yeah. it's so funny that you said about the mental health like training though because on the same realm of counsellors to be honest so yeah I was just saying that when I was at school my parents my parents going through divorce and I had like a just a horrific teacher and he made me cry and I was literally just like in tears and my mum was like to me this is ridiculous I don't even know what to say to you anymore like also was going through a really toxic relationship at the time but we don't go into that um, and she was just like to me you like I, I don't know what to say to you anymore I, I haven't been I haven't got the education to tell you the right or wrong thing to say you're going to a counsellor and basically shit me off and it was the best thing that she ever did to yeah she that she ever forced me to do um and that just i think that experience quite early on completely transformed my idea of counselors but completely agree katie like like what you said it is not one person your first person you see brilliant let's go i'm fixed like i've seen three counselors one yeah three to four counselors and two out of the four have been good um 
yeah so it's definitely one of those ones where it's like you need to go and see who's out there and like it's not going to be like it's not going to be the one size fits all like each person deals with things differently and each person tells you things differently some people have much like a really soft approach and it's like oh okay and this and that other people are more like scientific about it and delve and push you and say okay consider this consider that others would just sit there and be like "Mm -hmm, how are you feeling and how does that make you feel you know so it's like it's a it's an experience it's a journey but I think that it's like the same thing that Katie was saying about speaking to our friends um as a friend you I think it's really important to be able to say to your to your friends that are struggling have you considered seeing a counsellor because I think that there is still a stigma attached to it I think it's changing for sure I think it's becoming more a positive thing but the idea of I think it's a very British thing thinking that we don't need help we're fine we we don't we don't need we didn't need to be a counsellor that's that's American that's a strength thing to go and have therapy and to go and have it you know just go and sit down in a, in a dark room of chakras or whatever it's like it's so, it feels so detached from from what we're going through and for, from what we need but if our friends said to our friends that are struggling have you considered it like come on it would be amazing like if you've got the funds if you've got the ability to be able to do it I really think you should and that I, I now I'm like so here for it like my one of my best friends she's she's now seeing someone and it's just like it's a, it's a weight of your shoulders because as you said like everyone is going through something and you got to be really careful that you don't put too much of your shit onto everyone else because it's like they are then complicit like what we were saying they can only help so much they will go for a walk with you they will do this with you but you know i'm sure you guys have had it when like you say something you offload and they're like, you get a reaction that's just like, oh yeah, like it will be okay. And it's just not the reaction that you need because obviously how, no one knows what you, what you, what you, no one, you can't expect everyone to think like you and to react in a way that you will. But by going to your friends, it's like a hard, it's a hard thing to try and like, you know, to try and go through. So yeah, I do think that professional experience is definitely mm. good, but yeah, hard and error. I think that universities like, I'm pretty sure most of them have some form of counselling service or a link to something similar. I think the issue it, I've found is like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm lucky in the sense that if I had a bad experience with counselling, it's not really going to affect me. I'm going to obviously get off the phone and be like, oh, that was disappointing. But I'm not, it's not going to drastically affect my behaviour, my life in any severe way, because I don't feel like my problem, like my issues are severe enough to make me feel that way. But I do think about the people who it could have been a major struggle to get to that point and to go on the phone and be like, right, that was it then. It could be quite um, like demeaning and quite, it could really change your outlook on a lot of things, could make you feel worse. So like, I think, what would be helpful for universities to do we don't we didn't have any kind of feedback form we didn't have any kind of how can we improve um what we're doing and i genuinely if i'd gotten that form i would have written on it (laughs) um but you know it's a bit of a like you say it's a bit of a lucky dip as to whether you're going to get someone who really cares for you and really cares about your progress um I think that's part of the problem but that doesn't net that relies on good counsellors that yeah and for the university to fund them I guess so there's also like like Hannah was saying there's so many different 
counseling out there like you can't if your first call with a support service is to is to go straight into this one kind of i don't know katie i don't know what kind of counseling that was um i don't even know <laughs> i don't know what it was <laughs> some people might really like saying their problems at 10 times in a row and that might really help them um but like you said it doesn't fit fit everyone so that first call is almost like sometimes all we need is an ear to listen to and yeah provide a bit of advice sometimes you don't need that first counseling session straight away like that can happen after you've after you've reached out but that first call to not like you said to, to not scare people off sometimes people just if they're reaching out it's because they want to talk so let let people just like talk and then you can ask them questions about where they want to go from this and then then provide them professional help but that first i don't know maybe it's a bit throwing people in the deep end if you're calling someone straight away and then going okay now we're going to do some kind of therapy on you i don't know what you guys think it's weird that do they not have like an introductory kind of thing so i'm just a counselor it was basically through my dad's health insurance so it's like there was like an intermittent like nurse like before like assessing you before you were assigned a counselor and basically it's like it's like a psychological like checklist basically but they said that they were like, I'm just going to go through some things with you. It's basically like a question. It's just for us to assess like how, like where you're kind of at, like mentally, like just answer these questions as honestly as possible. And it's basically like a whole, there's like 10 questions being like, um, I'm struggling to get out of bed in the morning on a scale of one to five from strongly agree to don't agree. Like, where do you place yourself? Just like questions like that. Did they have anything like that, Katie? No, no. See, that's really weird. That's really um it's literally so on the emails that they send out each week they'll have links to like not even within university a lot of them a lot of them are just like either nationwide charities or um like located in knots and um it basically was you send us an email um asking for a session and then we give you one um like two weeks later and then I found it really like not very useful so I mean like the whole thing seemed very impersonal um mm. it see it felt like she'd probably just been on the phone to someone else said the exact same things called me said the exact same. it just felt like do you only get one session so if you have a session I mean I didn't I think what happens is you have to just, the whole process repeats, you email again, and then you might not even get the same person. But so are not personal then. That's the thing, it feels like my university has a, a lot of resources, and it's sending out these emails with links and links and links and advice and pages and symptoms and all this stuff. And it's, I feel like a lot of universities have this like, mental health, like policies in place and all this, stuff and I just get the sense that it's not even effective like say you only had one counselling service but it was so supportive and your tutors would call you or email you and just check everything's good check work isn't too stressful that's the other thing during a pandemic work hasn't gone down it feels it's amplified the effect of it you know it's amplified the stress of it because suddenly all that matters because you're not doing anything social is work and that's all you have to be doing with time i think it's also that we're saying it's completely luck of, luck of the draw like i'm really lucky that my district advisor she is absolutely amazing and she and like when we facetime 
FaceTime, don't FaceTime, we Zoom, um, about just like check-ins, about like literally about like obviously about my desk. At the beginning, she's always just like, so how are you? Like, how's Edinburgh? Like, what's going on? Like, and she comes from a place of like, as in she's a mum herself, but she it's literally just as subtle as the, how are you before? Okay, so your methodology section, da 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 You know, it's like, it's, it is more personable, but I know that not everyone's as, as lucky. Like my housemate, her supervisor, she's had two calls and that's it. So it does come down to each school's policy. And my school is really good about checking in. We've got, we get lots of support. We get like writing centres that we can help improve your work and just like that academic support does definitely help with your mental health because you're like okay cool I'm, that's building my confidence in the subject I feel better about it da, 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 da. but not everyone is that lucky and I know that um I know that Maddie you were saying about having some sort of like mental health training and it's funny you said that because my dad he's just done that at work so they offered him and he works in finance like this isn't like some like holistic fun like company like it's a very financial company and he they basically offered people to do like a mental health like training course and he was like yeah why not it was like a proper thing they gave him like a textbook to like study he had to do like tests to like check that he knew what was going on and then has now got a qualification qualification it's like a certificate from it so it basically just means that if people are struggling within his company he's like a port of contact like people can go to him to talk about it and he's now got like the education to know what to do um so and that so that's I'm, I'm saying that's like if something like that something like that is happening in terms of the working environment, why would it not be implemented in universities? You know, it's, it seems like it's quite an easy thing to do, to, just to offer people wanted to do. But like, you have, imagine like I'm sure you guys in first you had so many talks, introductory welcome talks, and this and that, and these are your places where you're going to live and stay. It would be so easy for them to be like, we're running mental health well-being like courses um just even making it compulsory you know saying like if you guys think that you're going to struggle or if you think that your friends will struggle and if there's something this is something that you wanted to do um then you're welcome to do so and like email for more information i don't think if i can recall we actually had a mental well-being talk also here's the campus like this is what the where you can go like the actual building um these are the resources available like the very first day that should be be said and like you like yeah and providing also if, if you think about if everyone was aware of what to say what to like or how to help or even just aware like i think how important mental health is that's creating this community in itself that's safe and so so if so many people will be comfortable in actually talking to their friends and talking to their family and talking to other people um and then also more likely to even reach out to a counsellor because they are more aware how normal it is and how okay it is to reach out um um last question i want to ask you guys and i know we've, we've talked about this actually quite a lot throughout this like podcast but just to sum it up and kind of bring it all together okay um if you were head of support or well-being at your uni what would be maybe the top three things that you would maybe implement or change at Nottingham or Edinburgh? One, I mean, it's hard to think of three just on the spot right now, but one I think it would help is to try and combat the stereotyping of the mental health issues themselves. So like, you know, not recognising that anxiety isn't just panic attacks. For some people, maybe it is. 
but it also manifests itself in other ways. And I think it's important to recognize that for people to understand what's going on in their mind and to know the best place to get help for that. Um, and this, you know, similar with all other kinds of mental health issues, I think combating the stereotyping would be really useful, very educational. Um, that's definitely something I think needs to be communicated um, via, you know, email. I know that it's so difficult because everything is online. So communication is harder, but easier than ever because, you know, it is just an email. That's all that has to be done. But actually, I think people have the time to be like looking at these things and like getting to know themselves a bit more, what they struggle with. Um, I think that would be really useful, in my opinion. Yeah, um, at Edinburgh, yeah, like I was saying, we have personal tutors and don't know if you guys do as well, but for us, we talked about us quite a lot as housemates, my friends. It just seems like the most like self-explanatory route to go down to just give your personal, give the personal tutors the extra training to just train them up in terms of mental health awareness, to give them some sort of certificate like my dad did. And I mean, he literally did it in like a week. Um, just to give that kind of training and just so they, they have the knowledge and to be able to support students if they need to. Um, and yeah, it's not like it would be like an extra weight for them in terms of workload. If it was just like an, a week course, just so they had the facilities to be able to give advice and support students if they needed to. <clears throat> and also I think that if there was like, some sort of like mental health awareness week i'm sure that there is but in terms of like if you think about how many if you think about how many lectures go on and if you implemented a mental health like awareness five minute lecture before each lecture how many students that would get out to you know so like if you just had a week and then you just had like whatever like these are the top five or the top three um mental health like disorders that students go through depression anxiety whatever these are the key things to look out for these are the key things to say if your friends are struggling like something that easy something that easy and just so quick especially to guys i know we haven't really spoken about this much but my guy mates they they are too fair quite good about opening up but guys in general are really really shitty <laughs> being able to like say what's wrong and to actually try to met help um one of my best friends, he passed away in 2017. And I can tell you like <clears throat> the amount of guys that my guy mates that opened up after that, I was like, oh my God. Like so many of them like, were like, oh yeah, like I really struggled when I was at school. And like, you know, like Joe dying, like it's actually just has made me, made us all as guys talk about it and open up about when we're okay and we're not okay. And I was like, but why is this, why does it have to be someone dying for you to be able to talk about this stuff? Like it's it was so crazy to me to think that it takes a death for you guys to be like, oh no, actually, yeah, I'm gonna be honest now, I'm gonna tell you when I'm not okay and this. And it shouldn't have to get that extreme to be able to be so honest about when you're struggling and when you're not, when you're not like feeling up great. So yeah, I just think that some sort of like, sorry, I'm rambling here now, shock. Um, but yeah, like some sort of like mental health awareness week and training with pastor treaters in terms of like university would just be like, insanely supportive. I think on that note, the idea of making something compulsory is definitely a good option because 
the students themselves finding the motivation to even go to like a the lecture I don't know about other people but at the moment it's low um <laughs> I don't know how many you've been to but we're not going to talk about it um <laughs> so I think in this in a sense um you know maybe at the start of each academic year um you know it's not too much to ask to just complete a little course and you have to complete it and you'll be chased up if you don't and just like you would if you didn't complete coursework or you know whatever it is so i think that is a way to literally make students aware um also makes you think about i don't know if you guys have worked but you have to do my old job i had to do like um like health and safety training and it was so annoying it showed you like a video of how to wash your hands for like 10 minutes it was so irritating but in the same realm like i worked at wimbledon and you have to do mental health training not like why am i saying mental health health and safety training so if you did a mental health training in that like in that because to be fair it is it's like your own health and safety like it should be considered as important like this is a health and safety training for your for your health and your friend's health it's part of a health and safety not too long either. yeah what would you what would you implement maddie is there anything you'd implement i think oh that's a good question i wasn't ready for i wasn't ready for you to ask the question mm. I'm questioning you now. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Okay. <laughs> Heart's racing very quickly now. Um, I don't know. I think, I think I completely agree with the community wise. I think genuinely to be able to even go to a counsellor, like even to call at one of those like UK hotlines, there's that kind of, oh God, I, I can't believe I'm calling them. Like there's, there's like still that's like not stigma, but like, like, almost shame behind it and I think that that's something that definitely I don't think that's a university thing that like the policy per se they can do but I think creating a community like just talking about mental health just having it on the radar means that people know that it there is stuff out there that it's okay to actually talk about it and even hosting like you know how you can have societies um or you have like talks available where people come in and talk just having being able to have those kind of providing platforms where mental health is talked about and making it a normal thing to talk about i think that's something that definitely can be done i do definitely think support even like a support group that you're putting at the beginning of your first year i think that will make a huge difference even um like you can like go and have like a, a night out or something go to the pub with your support group and have like a chat um or like just people just getting in contact with like other people that have similar interests as you that and also have maybe like a monthly or maybe just annually like here's your support group or no, per term meet up with the support group and check in um, and making it like that kind of structure even though it's horrible at being so structured because it comes a bit more like Inform like more more formal than like informal and personal but like if you could then maybe take that outside once pubs are open or once society is open again and making it a bit more natural um and also definitely yeah yeah i'll just say like, funding so i'm rambling on we, we got a few ramblers in this <laughs> in this podcast which we love um but i think i'm i know we're running out of time and i and I, I would love to ask you more questions but thank you both for coming on today and um i know it's very last minute these guys are up at 9 30 in the morning on a sunday i should be getting paid for this <laughs> my presence should be enough for, for a good cause oh, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah thank you so much guys for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure and i hope you have a great easter sunday um and yeah thank you hopefully we'll have you on very very soon um thanks maddie
Thank you so much for listening to Next Gen Minds. And if you have any queries or topics you want to be discussed on the podcast, please do reach out to our Next Gen Universities website or on Instagram on Next Gen Wellbeing. Thank you.